Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Today's Daf Maseches Kedushin is Daf Memzayin 47. This is Hashem. We're starting the last line of Memvav Mudbeis. We're going to have three sections in today's Daf, as is Hashem. First section the Gemara is going to deal with is Rava's clarification of the third part of our Mishnah yesterday, and we'll explain a brisa that supports Rava's clarification, both in accordance with Ravami, as well as like Rav and Shmuel. Uh, the second section of the day today is going to do- start discussing Rav's Shita about not being able to be married with a loan, and then we'll explain two brisais in light of that Shita. And then the third, at the bottom, the third section, the bottom of the Zion Bays, we're going to have a another brisa that we have to clarify within the position of Rav, and we'll show the Machloksim how the Machloksim and the brisa are are based on the Machlokis would be when there's a marriage that's accomplished through a loan that's in the Shtar versus or or as well as Machlokis regarding an oral loan as well. So just as we begin, it's important to remember what we learned yesterday. We had a Mishnah yesterday on Menvav Muralif. We're going to refer back to this a few times, so it's important to get this. That Mishnah had three parts. First part of the Mishnah said, if a person says, Iskachli those are considered separate statements. We said in the Gemara, that's the Tana Rabbi Shimon, as is evidenced by the discussion about Asham Gezelais. And then, in order to be married, it would have to be that one of those dates was worth a Shavaputa. The second section was where the person said, be married to me, bezu u bezu u bezu, which means he grouped the statements together. So there, it was able to be, you would able, you'd be able to be married even if the individual dates were not worth a pruta, but in conjunction, they would be worth a pruta. And then the third section of the Mishnah was where, where the Mishnah stated, if she was eating the dates as they were being given to her, so you wouldn't be married unless one of those dates was worth a pruta. Now the Gemara was wondering which of the first two cases is the third case referring back to. We had a machalikis yesterday. We had the opinions of Rav and Shmuel, and the opinion of Rav and Shmuel said, it's referring back to the first case of the Mishnah, and really what it's saying is, is a chiddish. Of course you said statements that separate your languages, and that's why one of them has to be worth a pruta. But you may have thought if she's eating them as they arrive, maybe you'd be married because she's benefiting from it immediately. So for her, it's like worth a pruta. So Kamash Melan, still, you're not going to be married. Rabbi Ami learned differently, and Rabbi Ami interpreted the Mishnah. That's referring back to the second part of the Mishnah. And we said, based on Rabbi Ami, you have to. Rabbi Ami was forced to interpret that even though it says in the Mishnah, it really means the last one was worth a pruta. Why is that? Because you wouldn't be able to be married with the earlier ones if she ate them, because the moment she eats it, it's now something she owes him. The Kedushin hasn't yet been finalized yet. He's not giving it to her yet. So by her eating it now, essentially, she just owes him that money back, and you can't be married with a loan. So it must be that when it says ba'achas, it really means ba'acharayna. Now this is where we're picking up today. Rava is going to qualify that third part of the Mishnah, and then we'll tie this back into Rabbi Ami. Just for clarification's sake, let's interpret the Mishnah like Rabbi Ami, because it fits better in the Shaklavatari as we continue. Omar Rava. Says the Gemara, last line of Mavamud Beis. Rava says, Lai shanu. We only say the third case of our Mishnah, 
that you can't join the dates together, and it only be, you'd only be married if the last one, like Rabbi Ami interpreted, was worth a fruit if she ate them. Because he said to her, marry me with this one, marry me with this one, and marry me with this one. As Rashi explains, the language that he finished was only at the end. That's when he meant to transfer all of the dates to her. But the original ones don't exist anymore. So that's why you can't join the dates together because there's nothing that he's giving her in terms of the original ones as they don't exist anymore in reality. But if he said, marry me with these, so an inclusive language, but he finishes his language, that's the point. And then he starts giving her dates and she's eating them as they're being given. Then, you could join them together to form a pruta because he already finished his language. He means to transfer them now immediately for her to acquire them as Kedushin. And therefore, says Rava, in the third case of our Mishnah, if he would have said, actually, even though she would eat them as they come, you'd be married be starfus as long as they're all, all worth a pruta together. Says, she's already eating what he's giving to her for Kedushin, and that's why she'd actually be married in such a case. And Gemara says, Tani Rav, we have a brisa that seems to support this distinction Rava makes between Bezo, 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 where he didn't finish the language of Kedushin yet. He didn't transfer them to her as Kedushin, which is why when she eats them, it just becomes a loan that he can't marry her with, and they're mitz, not Mitzdarev, versus Ve'elu, he already means to give it to her as Kedushin. So it doesn't make a difference if she eats them, she's eating what's hers for Kedushin, and it could be Mitzdarev. The Brisa states three parts. Tanya Kavazi Derava. Hiskachili, part number one. Hiskachili Ba'alon. Rashi learns it's an acorn. So, if he says, Be married to me with an acorn. Berimonu Ve'egos. Now we're going to interpret it meaning and. <clears throat> it means to say, Be married to me with an acorn, with a pomegranate, and with a nut. So, this is one Maisa Kedushin. And he says, Be married to me with this item, this item, and this item. Or he said, Be married to me with these items. And then he gave them to her. In yesh bekulin shave pruta, if they're all a pruta's worth together, meaning you could join them together, mikudeshes. The imlav ena mikudeshes. If not, you wouldn't be married. Meaning to say, they join together to form the value of a pruta. We're going to have to clarify this case number one, but let's go through the rest of the brisa. Bizo, bizo, bizo. Now, if he says he married to me with this, with this, with this, and seemingly he's giving her the prutas as he's saying these different the, the dates or the fruits as he's saying these different languages. Again, if they're joined together to the value of a pruta, you'd be married. If they don't have the value of a pruta in its tarfos and joining together, then you would not be married. Case number three, bizo. Now this seems to qualify case number two. Bizo, he says, be married to me with this. So she takes it and she eats it. Bizo, and then he gives her another one. And he and he says with this one, and she takes it and she eats it. She does this a few times. And to the bride said, you'd only be married if one of those dates was worth a pruta, because by eating it, it, it makes that not in existence anymore. And therefore, you can't be married with that which, with, with, with a hitstarfus, with a joining. Only if one of them was worth a pruta would you be married. Now, the Gemara asks to qualify this first case. What is the case of the acorn, pomegranate, and nut in the ratio that we said it could join together? Means if it's three different cases, you say, be married to me either with this or with this or with that. The problem is, the end of that first case said, in that they could join together to form the value of a pruta, but he separated them. They're clearly different maisim of Kedushin if he really said or, but not to join them. 
So that can't be a starfus then. The elasa, it must be. What's the first case of the brisa? The olainu manu is what he meant to say was be married to me with the acorn, with the pomegranate, and with the nut, enjoining. Be married to me with all of them for the maisa kedushin. So the problem is. Then that's the same as the second case with this, with this, and with this. So then what's the difference between the first and second case of the Brisa? So the Gemara says it must be. The Amar la Be'elu, that the first case of the Brisa where he said with the acorn, pomegranate, and the nut is where he said, be married to me with these. And he proceeded to give her these three different fruits, nuts. So the Gemara says, but the problem with that is, Hamidah Katani Seifa, but the end of the first case was exactly that. Or if he said, be married to me, Be'elu, with these. Mechlal but that would imply that the beginning case where it talks about the individual fruits and nuts, Lav Be'elu Askinan, is not talking about the case of Be'elu. So what is the first part of that first case discussing? So the Gemara answers, no, really it is talking about Be'elu. And Perusha Kamefarish. The end of the first case is clarifying the beginning of the first case. What does it mean? If he says to the woman, be married to me with the acorn, with the pomegranate, and the nut. And Ketzad, what is the case? As the Brisa itself explains in case number one, it doesn't mean he said, be married to me with this, with this, and with this. It means he said, be married to me be'elu, with these. And then he proceeds to hand her a few fruits or a few nuts. So then the halach is going to be, as the Brisa says, it all joins together. And there's no distinction in the first case whether she eats it or she doesn't eat it. Regardless, she could be married with a hitstarfus, a joining of those fruits, and as long as it's all a shavapruta in com- combination, you're able to be married. And says the Gemara, speaking out the proof to Rava, v'katani seifa. However, the third case of the Brisa says, v'zo It says, if he says to her, be married to me with this date, she takes it and she eats it. With this one, and she takes it and she eats it, etc., then the Brisa says, If one of them is worth a pruta, you'd be married, but you're not married with an hitstarfus with a combination factor. And in the first case, where you said, as we explained, there's no distinction between her eating it or putting it aside. So we see, like Rava said, that in a scenario where the man said to the woman, Be married to me with these. And he proceeded to give her the different fruits. Since he had already finished his Lashon of Kiddushin, when he's giving it to her, she's eating that which he already wants her to have for Kiddushin. So even though she's eating it, it would still have a concept of its Starfos. And the only time it wouldn't is if he said, meaning where he made this distinction by saying and he gave it to her, but he didn't finish his language yet. There, if she would eat it, it wouldn't join. If she wouldn't eat it, it would join. So you see clearly Rava's qualification of the third part of our Mishnah is equal is able to be understood within the context of Rava's explanation. Beautiful. Says the Gemara, and this is really I pointed out before, that way we explain the Brisa, that there's a distinction really between the third and second case of the Brisa, where he said, bezo, bezo, bezo. if she just puts it aside, it'll join together. If she eats it, it won't join together. So this is perfect, like the explanation of Rabbi Ami, who says that in the Mishnah, that the third part of our Mishnah explains the second part of our Mishnah, meaning, bezo, bezo, bezo. the second part of our Mishnah was where she didn't eat it. She put it aside, there's its darfus, because he joined it together, the language is bezo, bezo, bezo. But where she eats it, it becomes alone, because he hasn't finished his wording yet, then it would only be effective 
if, if, as we'll see, the last one was worth a pruta. And wh- how would you explain the brysa like we explained in the Mishnah? If one of them was worth a pruta, it's only the last one that ha- could be worth a shava pruta. So just as in the Mishnah, also in the brysa, when it says it means because you couldn't be married with the other ones that don't exist anymore because since you didn't finish your language of Kedushin yet, you didn't want her to acquire it for Kedushin, her consumption would make it into a loan, so the only way you'd be married is Ba'achas man Shavapruta means if the last one was worth a Shavapruta. So Rabbi Ami fits in the Brites beautifully, exactly like we explained him in the Mishnah. El Rav but according to the first explanation of our Mishnah, back on Memvav Mud Aleph, the Amri they both explained in the Mishnah, Damri Tarvayu, Areshakoi, that when the Mishnah said the third clause, which was that if a person gives the uh, a date and he gives she and he he gives it to her and she eats it gives it to her and she eats it gives it to her and she eats it, so they said it can't be going in the second case because they didn't want to interpret ba'achas so as to mean ba'acharoina that's a that's a dochik in the language, so they interpret it's going back on the first case and the chiddush was is that even though iskachi iskachi in separate languages it separates so obviously you wouldn't be married regardless if she eats or not the chiddush was even though she's eating it and it's mikarvahan yasa it brings the not closer. Despite that, you may have thought since he's bringing that not closer, even though you use the separate language, maybe not being worth a shavapruta should also be considered worth a shavapruta. Come Ashmelon, you're not married. That's how they interpreted in the Mishnah. But they were able to interpret in the Mishnah that way that the third clause was falling back on the first case, which was a lang- which, which was a case that had separate languages, a case of prati, of separate maisim of kedushin. They explained the Chiddush was that even though she's eating them, since it's not worth a Shava Pruta, that's not valued at more than a Pruta's value, and therefore it wouldn't be effective. The problem is in the Brisa, we only talked about cases that are inclusive cases, one language of inclusion. Either it's Be'elu or Bezo, 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 but either way, you don't have a case, we didn't have cases in the Brisa where you had separate Diburim, separate languages that would separate, separate Maisim of Kedushin. So how would Rav and Shmuel then interpret this third case? It doesn't fit with their explanation in the Mishnah. And again, like they said in the Mishnah, it's a dochik to say Ba'achas means Ba'acharona. So therefore, how would it come out the explanation of this third clause of the Brisa, like Rav and Shmuel's explanation of the Mishnah. So the Gemara answers, Hamani, Rav and Shmuel will explain the third clause, that the third part of the Brisa is different than the first and second part. It's a different Tana. And it's the author of Rebbe. Let's just explain simple, and then we'll explain a little more of the background. Rebbe, it's the opinion of Rebbe. To Amar, Rebbe's opinion is, Loishna kezayis kezayis. There's no distinction if the Kohen had the intention of kezayis kezayis, that he's going to eat a kezayis of the Karbon outside of its time and outside of, or outside of its time, outside of its place. The Loishna kezayis u kezayis. It also doesn't make a difference if he thought, I'm going to eat a kezayis outside of its uh, time and outside of its place, regardless, pratahave, even if you had the and connecting it, it's considered a separate thought or a separate speech. And then what will end up happening in the context of Zohar, we'll explain in a moment, but therefore it'll come out that the Tana of the third part of the Brisa is not the same Tana as the first two parts of the Brisa. And actually it's Rebbe who holds that even in this case, Bezo, Bezo, Bezo is separate Diburim, that is considered separate Diburim. And then it'll come out, even though there's a Vav connecting them, that there's a distinction in the in the third part of the Brisa between the Stam understanding, if she puts it aside, since you had separate Diburim 
So one of them would have to be worth a shava pruta in order to be effective. And the Chiddush of the third part of the Brisa would be, even though you ate them, you're Makar Yasa, nonetheless, if it's not worth a shava pruta, one of them, you're still not going to be able to be married. But it'll come out that the ton of the first and second part of the Brisa doesn't hold of this. Bezo, bezo, bezo would join the languages together. Rebbe would hold that it would not join the languages together, as we'll explain in the context of Pigul in a moment. And therefore, he's the ton. And you could apply the same Chiddush Rav and Shmuel said in the Mishnah, in the Bryce as well. So let's just explain now momentarily. Let's explain for a moment what exactly is the background for this sheet of Reb. So the Gemara teaches us, Misech Zvachim, as follows, that a Kohen who has the wrong machshava when he's bringing a Karban, one of the crucial stages of the Karban, he could ruin the Karban's uh, status. Now there's two machshavas that we're discussing there. One is chutz lizmane and one is chutz lemkayme. Chutz lizmane means outside of its time, which means the Kohen thinks to himself that uh, kezayas of this will be eaten outside of the allotted time. Chutz lemkayme means outside of the place that it's meant to be eaten. Now there's a distinction in halacha between these two machshavas. If he thinks chutz lizmane that makes it into pigel, and there's a chiv karis for consuming that. If he thinks chutz lemkayme outside of its place, it also passes the carbon, but it doesn't create a pigel karis state on that carbon but it ruins the carbon nonetheless. Now, the Gemara there says, the Isser of Pigel means the Kares that will apply because of the Machshava of Pigel will only apply if the carbon wasn't disqualified for some other reason. So therefore, for example, if the per- if the coin already had a Machshava of Chutzlem Koimai, and then he's Chutzlem it wouldn't take on a Chiyav Lechaira of Kares because of that second Machshava of Pigel to make it into a more of a Kares issue because it was already disqualified anyway. Now, Rebbe has a very specific view, and his view is that the pigel, the pigel machshava would only go into effect if it occurred first. So then Rebbe would hold, if he was, he had a machshava, the coin of machshava of chutz lizmano while he was doing the, performing the carbon sacrifice, and then only afterwards he had the machshava of chutz Como. So even though it's disqualified because of chutz Como, since he had the machshava of chutz lizmano first, so then it would still go into effect and it would make it chai of karis if somebody would consume that. Based on this, Rebbe explains over there that whether the Kohen thought to himself, I'm going to eat a kezayis amount tomorrow, I'm going to eat a kezayis amount in the wrong place. Or if he said, I'm going to eat a, thought to himself, I'm going to eat a kezayis tomorrow and I'm going to eat a kezayis out of its place, regardless it's considered two separate thoughts, not one sentence. And since it's considered two separate thoughts, that's considered the chutz lizmano preceding the chutz como, making this a pigel with a chiv karis associated with it. Even if there's a vav, it doesn't connect the two machshavas or the two expressions, the two uh, speeches to make it that it wasn't really chutz lizmano made into pigel properly because it was associated already with another psul. That's a separate language altogether because he was thinking to himself, I'm going to eat a kezayis of this chutz lizmano and I'm going to eat a kezayis of this chutz como. That's two separate diburim. Therefore, you'd be it already would be something liable for kares even though it becomes invalid after and even though it's connected with a vav. The point is in our context, Rav and Shmuel would learn he's the Tana of the third part of the Brisa who holds that when you have bizu bizu bizo, it's considered separate statements. Since it's separate statements, you could apply the same Chiddush Rav and Shmuel apply in the Mishnah in the case of Iskachili bizo, Iskachili bizo. So as to say that even though she's eating it in between, you'd think maybe it should be considered more than its value of a pruta. 
Nonetheless, since he separated it with separate statements because it's accordance with Rebbe, that even with a Vav connecting them, it's considered separate statements. Nonetheless, it would not be considered a pruta because in the end of the day, it's not a pruta, even though she's eating them. Okay, now let's move on. New point, second, second section of the day. Amar Rav, now we actually discussed this earlier in the Masechta, back on the Vav and Rebbe's, and we bring it up here again, we'll discuss this now at length. Rav says, If somebody marries a woman with a loan, meaning she owed him money, so he said, you know, the money that you borrowed from me three weeks ago, be married to me with that. You're not able to be married. And he says, why? Because Milva lets on it. No, a loan is meant to be spent. So the moment she accepts it, she owns it. That's money that she owns. And since she owns it, you can't utilize that to marry her now. You're not giving her anything at the time of Kiddushin. Okay. So Rav's point is, is that if he tries to marry her with the loan that he gave her beforehand, there's no ability to be married with that because it's meant to be spent. That's not something that he's giving her new. Says the Gemara Tanoi, let's say that this position of Rav the Amoira is actually based on a Machlaikis Tanoi. And the Kaddish bin Milvena Mikudeshes, the Brysis says, if somebody marries a woman with a loan, you cannot be married, and the Yesh Amrim says you could be married. So my love, this seems to be the point of debate. Demar Savar, Milvalite Sunnit, the Tanakama says that a loan is meant to be spent, and therefore it's not the lenders to give her any more. You're not giving her any benefit, and therefore you can't be married with it, which would concur with Rav. Umar Savar, Milvalavlite Sunnit, and the Yeshaimim would say, Milva's not meant to be spent, and it's still the lenders to give her, which would not be like the position of Rav. We don't want to make Rav into a one-sided part of a machlokas tanoim. So the Gemara says, V'tizbara, is it logical? That's the point of debate. Because Amos Seifa, look at the end of that b'risa. It says, V'shavim, both the Tanakama and the Yesh Omrim hold, B'mecher, that regarding a sale, meaning if a lender was owed money by the borrower, and then he said, you know, instead of paying me money, just give me your property. So it says, Shezekana, this would actually be effective. Gemara says, yeah, I'm but at one second. How could the Seifa say that if there's a machleik is gufa, if Milva's lights on it, nor not? Yamrit Milva lights on it, nor not. If you say that Milva's meant to be spent, according to the Tanakhamas, so then how is the lender able to acquire that property? He's not giving anything, essentially, to the seller, who's the borrower. So Gemara says, I'm Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says, Enachinami. Really, everybody agrees with Rav, Milva's lights on it, and Hunar, if Hunar friend, explained this Bryce's machlokis in a different in a different debate. What is the point of debate? For example, where the man said to the woman, "Be married to me with a mana." A mana is a hundred silver dinar. And then he gave her money, and it turned out that it was lacking one silver dinar, so he gave her ninety-nine. So now, this is the point of debate. Could you be married or not? Marsa, the Tanakama holds, she's embarrassed to claim that last dinar from him, and therefore she's not Samechis Das, she's not reliant on this Kedushin, because she knows she won't uh, claim that dinar from him in the future. Therefore, they won't be married. However, the Yesh Omrim hold, like Sifala Milsalamitve, she won't be embarrassed to claim it, and therefore the Kedushin will actually go through, and he'll have to be Mashlim, but the point is the Kedushin will be effective. But it has nothing to do with Milvalitza on it nor not. Asks the Gemara, but based on the way you're explaining that machlokis now, which we had back on Daf Chesimut Aleph, he said, if a man gives up, says to a woman, be married to me for a money, 
Again, 100 silver dinar. And you only give her one silver dinar. Sir Belazar said you could be married, and uh, he has to complete the amount after. Says the Gemara, So would it come out that Rebbe Lazar only holding one of the two Tanoim we said above, meaning like the Yashoimrim and not like the Tanakama of the Brisa? Comes out difficult. So the Gemara says, Amri, no, they responded, Rebbe Lazar would be Lekulei Alma, according to both of the Tanoim we just quoted. Because the Brisa's case where it was a hundred, he said, Be married to me for a hundred, and he left out just once. The Tanakama says she'll be embarrassed to claim one small dinar, and therefore she's not so mechestas to be married. But Rebelezer's case was in Rebelezer's case, he said, Be married to me for a mana, a hundred silver dinar. I mean, he only gave her one. A ninety nine, she won't be embarrassed to claim, and therefore it will be effective, even according to the Tanakama, Rebelezer would not be like one of the sheetas, but like both of them, actually. Moving on now, the Gemara is going to challenge Rav from a brysa. Mesave asks the Gemara question on Rav from the brysa. He says, be married to me with a pikadin. So he had given her some sort of a item. Be married to me with that item that you have in your hands. So she went and she found that that item had been stolen or lost, and uh, now it's not there anymore. So if one pruta's value remained of that pikadon, she'd be married with that. But if not, she would not be married to this fellow. That's the beginning of the b'risa. And regarding alone, So even if not even a pruta's value remained from the original loan that he had given her, you'd be married. Now Rashi throws in here because there's a hana that he's being moichel that loan to her. So even if it's not a pruta's value that remains, it was stolen for some reason, or she used it, either way, the point is, let's say it was stolen, as the Brisa seems to imply. What would come out that is, the Tanakhama is saying, you could still be married. Shem ben Elazar, I'm Shem Rameyer, Shem Elazar in the Brisa, and the name of Rameyer argues and says, Milva, turning to Memzayin Mubeis, Harei he kipikadon, it's the same as pikadon, you'd have to have a pruta remaining of the loan as well, in order to be married. So the Gemara points out, the debate over here seems to be Tanakama says regarding the case of a loan he had lent her money and he said be married to me with that loan even if a Pruta's value didn't remain, you could be married. And Rashim Allah Nimra in the However, Mayor holds there has to be a Shavapruta's value left. But the point is, Avaldakulayama, everybody seems to hold in this price that you could be married with a loan. The only shail is does it need to be a loan that there's a pruta value remaining or not a pruta value remaining? Says the Gemara, but this seems to be both shitas di- disagree with the position of Rav. You can't be married with a loan. So Amar Rav, Rav says, in order to answer this question, you can't bring a question from this brisa because v'tizbara hamitaretzda. Can you? Is it logical that this is a clear brisa that you can use to ask a question on Rav? Hamishabeshti, the brisa itself is difficult because one second. Let's analyze the beginning of the brisa. Hi pikadon heichidami. We said in the case of a pikadon, if a shavapruta has remained, you could be married. Well, what is this case of pikadon? If the case was that the woman had accepted responsibility on herself in terms of that pikadon, means she accepted to watch it and she accepted responsibility to pay it back if it should get lost or damaged. So then, Hainu Milva, that's the same thing as a loan. So then, why would there be a distinction? 
distinction between pikadain that you need to show a proof this value, and Tanakama says by loan you don't. And he delight Kabbalah if she did not accept responsibility in the case of the pikadain. So we and that's why in the case of the pikadain. If there was a value of a pruta left, you'd be married, and not, if not, not. So Ihachi, the Gemara says, is, Adetani Seifa of Emilva Instead of the Seifa contrasting the case of Pikadon, in the case of, with the, in the case of a loan, even if a Shavapruta doesn't remain, you'd be married, Continue discussing the case of Pikadon and contrast the ratio of Pikadon where you didn't accept responsibility with the case of Pikadon and the Seifa where you did accept responsibility. And when does there have to be a Shavapruta's value remaining? That would be the ratio where she didn't accept responsibility on herself. But if she did accept responsibility in the case of Pikadon, don't bring in the case of a loan. Even if a Shavapruta does not remain, you'd still be married. So why doesn't the Brysa then contrast the cases of Pikadon where you didn't and did accept Achrayas if the case of the Reisha really is where you didn't accept Achrayas, responsibility on yourself? So therefore, Rav, Rav says, in order to clarify the Brisa and how it's not going to be a question on Rav altogether, we'd have to explain the Brisa as follows. We're going to actually turn it the opposite direction. That really, as Rashi explains, the case of Pikadon is where you did accept responsibility on yourself. And therefore, if a Shavapruta's value remains, you'd be married. If a Shavapruta's value didn't remain, so then you would not be married. Because just like a loan, it's milvalite sunnitna. So if you accepted responsibility on yourself, it's like a loan, and you wouldn't be married if a shavapruta's value remained. In the sense, we'll explain in a moment what the machlokis is, but it would need to be a shavapruta's value to remain, in order that you're mikudeshes with the pikadon, because you did accept responsibility. And the safe of the brisa says, uvemilva. The contrast is aval pishen ishtayre men shavapruta. Even though a shavapruta's value remains, unlike by the case of pikadon, you would be married. You would not be married because Milvalite's on it. No. On this, Rav Shimon Lazarai marries from Rav Meir. Milvareki Pikadon. It's the same as Pikadon that if a Shava Pruta remains, just like a Pikadon, you'd be married. Also with a Milva, you'd be married. So now we've explained that the Brisa, actually Tanakama, seems to conform very well with the position of Rav. But now the Gemara says, by my Kamifligi, what is the basis of debate? Because what would emerge then is it seems to be Rav only conforms with the Tanakama, but not with Rav Shimon Ben Elazar, because he seems to say here, if a Shava Pruta's value remains, you could be married. So now we have to understand, well, why is is that Milvalitzanit? No. So I'm a rabbi. Rabbi says, in order to explain the machlokis now, Rav, found the rabbis in the base Medrash, the Yasuvika Amri, they were explaining the basis of debate as follows. And Rashi throws in a very important point here. Rav would hold Milvalitzanitna, but the question is, at what point do we say Milvalitzanitna means it transfers from being the lenders to being owned by the borrower, and the, and the lender can no longer marry that borrower with it? So what we're going to say is like this. Everybody would agree if the borrower began to use this money. So then everybody would agree, Milvalite Sanitna, it's no longer the lenders, he can't marry her with it. But the Machlokis is, Vika Amri, what if she didn't use the monies yet, which Tysus explains over here, as the Brysa says, it was stolen or lost, but she didn't actually use the monies yet. This is going to be a machlokis. Does that transfer out of the lender's domain into the borrower's domain? So far as, as we'll see in a moment, the lender can't retract anymore. And for Onsim, the lender will not be responsible, the borrower will be. Or do we say since she didn't use it yet, it's still the lender's that he could retract on this loan. And it's his if an onus happens. 
They explain as follows. If they didn't use it yet. She didn't use it yet. So, is the loan in the domain of the lender that he could retract? As well as, if an einus happens, is the lender responsible because the borrower hadn't begun to utilize those monies yet? The Savar that the Tanakama holds that immediately when the borrower borrows the money, even though he hasn't used it yet, it becomes in the borrower's domain. And similarly, if an einus happens, so just as the lender can't retract, also the borrower is also responsible for the einsim, it's his already. Or in this case, it's hers, therefore he cannot marry her with that money yet anymore. Umar Savar, Shemben Elazar holds, Milvabrishas Bailam Kaima, actually, until the borrower begins to utilize that loan, the monies, it's remaining in the possession of the lender that he could still retract on this loan. Similarly, if an onus would happen, the borrower would be exempt because it happened in the domain of the lender. The point is, that's why Shemben Elazar, Shemben Meir is saying you could be married with this because it's still considered in the domain of the lender in the case of the husband or the potential husband, until the borrower utilizes it. And as Tysus explains, he didn't begin to, she didn't begin to utilize it yet, just some of it was lost. So therefore, says Reb Meir, if there's a Shavaprutas value remaining by her, you could actually be married with that because she hadn't utilized it yet. So Rabbah heard the base, people in the base matter saying the machlokis is twofold, as we explained, both in terms of the lender retracting and also who will be responsible for Einsim. So Rabbah said, but I said to the, the people in the base matterish, regarding Einsim, everybody agrees to Bershus Levikaimi. means everybody would agree that's already in the possession of the, lent, of the borrower, even if Shimon Allah would concede to that. My time, what's the reason? Because Legar the, the, the borrowing of money is no less than borrowing an item. Regarding she'ela, which the physical item itself has to be returned, and nonetheless the borrower becomes responsible if an einus would happen, that's not considered something that happened in the domain of the mashil, of the lender. So milvalei kolshek, and certainly a loan which is not returned and it's not returned in its current state, you return other monies, certainly you'd be immediately responsible as the borrower if an onus would happen, and it's not considered as occurring in the domain of the lender. So El Arabi just made the machlokas a little less. He said, machlokas between Tanakam and Lazar is just, can the lender retract? According to Tanakama, the lender can no longer retract even if the borrower hasn't begun to use it yet. Therefore, he can't marry her with this money because it's not his anymore. As opposed to Kornishman Lazar, he could retract. It's still his money to a certain degree, and he could marry her with it. But the bottom line is, what emerges then is they both agree with Rav, Milvalaitzanitna. The only question is, how far does that go? According to Tanakama, immediately we say Milvalaitzanitna, even though she hasn't used it yet. According to Rishman Lazar, it's only when she begins to use it, but not if she hasn't begun to use it. You could be mar- married with, to her with it as long as she hasn't begun to use it yet. So therefore he says if there's a prutas value left, you could be married. Says the Gemara. But now the way you're explaining the machlokis, Rabbah, Elahad, Amr of Huna, Hashal Kordamechaver, if somebody borrows a uh, hatchet from his friend, Bika boy, if the borrower began to utilize it, he chopped with it, Kanoi. So the he, the um the borrower acquires it, and the lender can no longer retract. I mean, let's say he borrowed it for 10 days, so then the lender can't retract for 10 days. If he hadn't yet begun to chop with it, the borrower had not yet acquired it, the lender could retract. So the Gemara says, It would appear that this statement 
of Rav Huna, the Amari Rav Huna is only like one of the two shitas, which is like the position of Shimon Elazar, Amar Meir, that it's only when you begin to utilize it that the lender can no longer retract. And Lachari, we want to say if it's like both Tanoim. Mora says, "Lo, you know that's not a question because that kind of pligiela bemilva. The machleik is tanakam shemilazar is when you're talking about a monetary loan, the hadra ba'ena, which is not returned in its current state. They use the money and then you return something else. So there, there's a machleikus. If you receive it already, according to the tanakama, even though you've received it already, uh, when, once you receive it already, according to the tanakama." It becomes yours immediately. But the she'ela, where you're borrowing an item that is returned in its current state, meaning you return the hatchet itself. Since you have to return the item itself, so it's logical that it would remain in the domain of the lender until the borrower begins to utilize it. And even the Tanakama would agree to that. That's why, in this case, the lender could retract until the borrower begins to use the hatchet. And if he hadn't begun to chop with it, then he wouldn't uh, actually acquire it yet. The lender could retract. Okay, let's move on to the third section of the day. Now, the Gemara brings another attempt to show Rab's shita of Amikadash Bimilva Enemikudashis is really based on a machlokis tanoim. The Gemara says, let's show that it's a machlokis tanoim. Because the Bryce says, If a man goes to a woman and he says, be married to me with a shtar chayv. We're going to have to explain what this means in a moment. With this document of debt that's owed to me. Or, there was a loan that was owed to him by somebody else. And he put her in charge of them. Means he gave her power of attorney to collect this debt. Remeir Aimer Mekudashis, Remeir says you could be married with this. Chacham say you're not married with this. The Gemara says, wait a second. What is this case of being married with a document of debt? If it means that he's saying, look, I have this document of debt that someone else owes me money, and I'm giving this to you, you could collect it, and that's a Hana, and be married to me with that. So then, Hainu Milva Biyarachirim. That's the same as the second part of the Brisa, which is Milva Biyarachirim. A loan that's owed to me from other people. So the Gemara says, El Alav, it must be, What it's talking about in the case of Shtarchayv is that she owes him money, and he's giving her her document of debt that she owes him. It seems to be the basis of debate would be, could you be married with a loan? And Rav would come out, not like Rav Meir, because Rav says, Rav Meir says you could be married. So the Gemara answers, Really, it's talking about a document of debt that's owed to him by other people. There's two different cases in the Brisa. One is where you have a document of debt, meaning there's a debt owed to the potential husband here that's written in a shtar. And the other is a milval peh, a oral loan. And we're going to explain the basis of debate in both scenarios is not the same. That's why there's a machlokis in both cases. The Rameir is saying you're mikudeshes and the Chachamim saying you're not. So first we'll explain milva bishtar. We're going to have four ways of explaining what the machlokis really is. But the bottom line is, this does not touch the issue of Rav because everybody would agree milva is like and you can't be married with it. What is the basis of debate? Let's go with the first one. Milva Bishtar, what is the basis of debate? Explanation number one is It's based on a machlaikis of Rebbe and the Rabbana. The Tanya as the Brisa explains. If you want to sell a document of debt to somebody else, Oisius Niknas Bimisira Divrei Rebbe. Rebbe says you can transfer, Oisius means letters, but it means you can transfer a document of debt just through Misira by giving it over to the purchaser. If I want to give a document of debt, sell it to somebody else so that they'll collect it and I won't, you just give over the paper. Whether you wrote a star mechira 
transferring that document of debt to someone else, but you didn't give over the document of debt, or bein shemaser v'leikasav, or vice versa, v'leikonat sheyichta v'yimser, according to the Chachamim, you have to do both. It has to be written, there has to be a document of sales written, and you have to transfer the piece of paper of the document of debt to the purchaser. So Mar Isle de Rebbe, according to Reb Meir, what happened over here was he just transferred it over. Reb Meir holds of Rebbe, and therefore he says that you could be married with this because it's considered a full transfer simply by being Moser, the paper of debt to the woman. Mar Lesley de Rebbe, the Chacham don't hold like Rebbe, they hold there has to be a document written. Since there was no document of sales written, you can't be married with this. Vibay Seima, second explanation, both disagree with Rebbe. Means both Rebbe and the Chacham disagree with Rebbe, and in this case, actually, there was a Shtar Mechira written. The Machlokis is based on a position of Rav Papa. Because Rav Papa says, If somebody sells a document of debt to his friend, He has to write, not only you should acquire this shtar, but also all encumbered properties associated with this shtar. And the case over here was that you didn't write the latter half. Since you didn't make that extra statement, it's not considered an effective transaction and you're not married. And Rameir doesn't hold the like Grapapa, so it's an effective transaction and you're married. Or we could say, explanation number three, that they both hold like Rav Papa, and you did write that extra statement. And the basis of debate is a position of Shmuel. Amar Shmuel, turning to Memchesim Aralif, as Shmuel says, if somebody sells a Shtar Chayv to his friend, and then he went back and he was Michael at the original lender who sold the Shtar Chayv to somebody else. He went and was Michael that loan. Machel, says Shmuel, since he was the one who the money was owed to originally, that loan is considered Machel, it's considered negated. Even the inheritor of the original lender could be Michael that loan that the purchaser will not be able to collect it now. Demar Shmuel, so the Chachamim hold like Shmuel. And therefore the Isha in this case knows that the husband could be Michael it, therefore she's not so Machesda, she's not reliant on this Kedushin. Umar Lesley de Shmuel, Rameir doesn't hold of Shmuel since she, he can't be Michael, she is reliant on this Kedushin because she knows she's, she could collect. A fourth explanation to Kulialma is Everybody agrees that in general, if you sell a Shtarchov, you could be Mochel like Shmuel. The basis of debate is specifically, do we apply this concern to marrying a wife as well? Mar Savar Isha Samchadaita. According to a mayor, the woman will be reliant that he won't be Meichel. Meimar Amr, because she'll say, I'm his wife now, so he's not going to leave me and be Mochel, this debt that was owed to him originally, therefore even though he could be Mochel, he's not going to be Mochel. And that's why Rameir says the Kedushin will be effective. However, the Chachamim say, even regarding a wife, she's not so Mechesta, she's not reliant on this because she knows he could be Mochel, and therefore we've explained four explanations what the basis of debate between Rameir and the Chacham would be, why you could or could not be married with Shtar Chovavacherim, but it has nothing to do with being married with a debt that was owed by her to him. So now that's the case of Milva Bishtar. Now, Milval Peh my Pligi. So let's explain the final point here. Regarding Milval Peh, what is the basis of debate in or alone? says, In the case where a person says to a third party, excuse me, he says to a, the lender says to the borrower, 
You owe me money. Taneo Leploini. And he says, give that money to the third person who's standing here. If they're all standing here, all three means the lender, borrower, and the third party, the third party acquires the ability to accept the loan payment, to collect the loan payments from that borrower. This is a special chiddush in halacha that Rafun Amaraf teaches us called Maimach Lashton. Mar Savar, so according to the Chachamim, Ki Ka'amarat Rav, Rav only states this halacha, when there's a pikadon, when there's a visible physical item that we're talking about, there you apply this Chiddush and Halacha, that it's transferred with word alone. Regarding a monetary loan, this loan, this transfer is not able to be made, therefore you can't marry a woman with this statement of Milval Peh. Umar Savar, a mayor holds, even when regarding a monetary or a loan, a non-physical item that we're not talking, we're not talking about a physical item, you can still transfer thus you can marry the woman with a milval peh by saying that borrower owed me money, it transfers to you, that's considered a real kedushin, and that's what a mayor would say also in the case of milval peh, the kedushin would go through. But the bottom line is, we've explained Rav, that there's no question from these brysois, we've explained how he is able to conform to all the shitas that we've quoted so far. Now we're stopping here at the top of Mem Ches and Aleph, Ez Hashem, we're going to continue this discussion tomorrow, trying to show from different brysois if Rav's shita of Mekadesh Pemilva is Nikudeshis or not. Um, sorry. Yeah, if he's able to be a Mekudeshis or not, we'll see if he is contingent on a Machlokas Tanoim tomorrow. So, but this is a show we'll pick up tomorrow with Daphne Ches. In the meantime, everybody have a wonderful day.